Titled All In. Somebody shout All In. Impact. What a God, what a church. What a God, what a church, what a people. Come on, let's just put our hands together one more time and celebrate all the great things God is doing in this church. Now, as you know, this is a four-part series. Week one, we talked about proximity. And last week, we talked about vulnerability. Somebody say amen. God's been doing some amazing things with this series. We saw people delivered from the spirit of suicide last week. What a powerful service, amen? Now today we're talking about boundaries. Somebody say boundaries. Now impact, you know, first Sunday we laid a foundation, prayed for people. Last week was really deep and prayed for people. This week is very practical. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them, it's practical today. One more time, turn to the other neighbor and just tell them, it's going to be practical today. You know, Elijah became suicide after serving the Lord, after defeating the 450 prophets of Baal. He found himself suicide. And the Lord came to him, and you'd think the Lord would give him something so deep, some theological concept to get him out of this situation. And the Lord sent angels to him to bake him a cake. The angel said, eat the cake, take a nap, then eat again. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Sometimes the things that we need to heal us and to shift us and to transform us are not always the deepest things. Sometimes you just need to eat a good meal, take a nap and eat again. <laughs> we complicate this thing. Somebody say amen. So today, I'm going to feed you you're going to take a nap right here, <laughs> and then you're going to eat again. In other words, what I'm going to say today is going to be so simple, some of you might miss it. Some of you are waiting for this deep theological thing, but what I'm about to preach today could change your life forever. Somebody say amen. Somebody say boundaries. One more time. Somebody say boundaries. Let's go to Judges chapter 16 from verse 15 to 21. And I'm just going to take my time today and teach. I want you to take some notes. Everybody get, get your phone, get your iPhone. You can take out your Android too. <laughs> do those still exist today? Yeah. They do? Okay, you can take those too. <laughs> take a paper, take a pen. Everybody writing somewhere. Everybody writing somewhere. <clears throat> Somebody say Amen. This is one of the most popular stories in the Bible. It's the story of Samson and Delilah. Samson and Delilah. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Turn to your neighbor and just tell them you can't just confide in anybody. This is the third time you've made a fool of me. And having told me the secret of your great strength, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. 
When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned, returned, where am I? With With the silver in their hands, after putting him to sleep on her lap. Please don't just lay on anybody's lap. You need some boundaries. She called for someone to shave off his seven braids of his hair while he was laying right there on the lap. And so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. This is one of the saddest scriptures you read in the Bible. Let me read that again. I'll go out. Here we go. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. Somebody say amen. Today we're talking about boundaries, boundaries. My wife and I started dating, yes, I'm gonna talk about my wife one more time. My wife and I started dating in May of 2005. May of 2005, a year later we were married. So we've been together 14 years, married 13 years. Somebody say amen. I remember the first time I stretched out my hand in faith when we were walking, hoping that she would hold my hand. How many people know it takes faith to do that? (laughs) And sure enough, her little hand was in my hand. And I said, this is good, we're going somewhere. And after this happened, she stopped me because she could tell that our relationship was going somewhere. She said, hey, I just need to tell you something. So I made a promise to myself and to God that I would not be in a relationship where there was kissing involved. Somebody said, wow. That doesn't even happen today anymore. I had never heard this before, Anthony. What do you mean we're just going to date and hold hands? She said, yes. I made myself a promise in God. I said, wow. So as soon as I heard her say this, I thought to myself, she doesn't like me. This is how I said it, because this is me. I said, she don't like me. She doesn't like me. This is rejection. So I thought she was gonna fizzle out, walk out of my life and disappear. Surprisingly, she did not. She was there in my life. And so I started thinking, why is it that she said there's no kissing, but she's still here? And then I asked her one day, I said, what's this all about? And she told me I made God a promise when I got saved. And she had waited for five years. She said, the next man I'm gonna date is gonna become my husband. And in order to protect my relationship, there's not gonna be any kissing involved so that we can just grow and talk and get to know one another. Young people, this is something important you can learn today. Because you can engage mentally. You can get to know somebody. Somebody say amen to that. No distractions. Somebody shout a good amen to that. And she said to me, it's because I want to protect the relationship that we have. 
by avoiding all that. So impact, very, very simple today. I told you today is cake and a nap and another cake. Eat, take a nap, eat again, very simple. I want you to write this down. Boundaries preserve growth. Very simple. Boundaries preserve growth. Everybody writing. Today we're gonna write a lot. Boundaries preserve growth. And you know, our relationship was preserved. It was a different kind of relationship because my wife was smart enough to create a boundary. Somebody shout amen. Whew. Now we live in a generation that doesn't like boundaries. But I want you to know that boundaries preserve growth. The stronger the boundaries, the stronger the relationship. We're gonna do a little reviewing here. Week one, we talked about proximity, and here's what we say. We say that proximity provides opportunity. And last week, we talked about vulnerability, and this is what we say. Vulnerability creates a deep connection. And so today, what we're saying is boundaries preserve Talk to me, somebody. Boundaries preserve. Let's say that together. Boundaries preserve. Now, last week, I told you that proximity without vulnerability creates relationships that lack depth. Proximity without vulnerability creates relationships that lack depth. But here's what I want to talk about today. Please write this down. Very, very important. Vulnerability without boundaries creates relationships that have a high risk of becoming toxic. Vulnerability without boundaries creates relationships that have a high risk of becoming toxic. So we're talking about this series on community and it's on levels. So level one is proximity. Somebody shout proximity. Level two is, say it out loud, level two is? Level three is? Boundaries. Now, if you have proximity but there's no vulnerability, you're lacking something, there's no depth. Yet, if you have vulnerability and there's no boundaries, then there's chaos. So proximity is just level one. Vulnerability is level two, but you have to graduate to level three where there are boundaries. One more time, somebody shout boundaries. Now the sad thing is a lot of people consider boundaries as rejection. That's what happened to me. The moment she gave me a boundary, I like you a lot, we can talk, but this can't happen. Immediately I thought I'm being rejected. So Impact, please write this down, copious notes today. An insecure person views boundaries as rejection, but a secure person appreciates them as preservation. An insecure person views boundaries as rejection, but a secure person appreciates them as preservation. You're preserving what God has given you by creating boundaries. Now, how many millennials do we have here? If you are under 35, just wave at me, wave at me, wave at me, under 35, wow, so many millennials. I want you to know that you grew up in a generation 
that despises boundaries. Talk to me, somebody. You grew up in a generation that does not value boundaries. Statistically, you are the generation that had the least amount of boundaries. Statistically. Those that are in their 60s, 50s, they had boundaries. Those that are in their 40s had boundaries. Now, the boundaries began to weaken the more time went along. So if you're a millennial in this place, you already struggle boundaries. But I want to teach this and lay this foundation today. I want you to know that boundaries are God's idea, not man's idea. Somebody give me a good amen in this place. We're going to teach. We're going to take our time today. Boundaries are God's idea, not man's idea. Please write this down. An immature person views boundaries as rigidity, but a mature person appreciates them as structure for productivity. Let me say that again. An immature person views boundaries as rigidity, but a mature person appreciates them as productivity. Millennials, listen to me. Our whole world functions on boundaries. You live in a house, that's a boundary. If somebody shows up in your yard unannounced, that's called trespassing. You can call the police on them. That's a boundary. When you go to work, you have an office. That's a boundary. Even for those of you that have a small little cubicle, that's your boundary. Nobody can come in your cubicle and throw trash in your trash can because that's your boundary. When you drive on the road, you drive on lanes. There are lanes on the road. That's a boundary. If you cross that boundary, you can kill a lot of people or the police will give you a ticket. Somebody shout boundaries. If you go to the bathroom, public bathrooms, there are stores there. What? Why? Those are boundaries. Somebody say amen. Our entire world functions on boundaries. Can I get a good amen for millennials in this place? Our entire world functions on boundaries. Even when you go to a club, where it seems like people are just partying and there are no boundaries. There are boundaries there too. Because if you touch somebody else's woman, there's going to be a fight that's going to break out. That's a boundary. <laughs> Our entire world functions on boundaries. State lines and nations. Impact. I want you to know that boundaries are God's idea. Somebody say amen. Let's go to the book of Genesis. On day one, what did God create? Talk to me some Bible scholars. Light. He said, let there be light. He wasn't creating the sun. He was releasing a dimension of revelation. On day two, what did God create on day two? I knew it was going to be quiet. Let's skip that. Let's go to day three. What did God create on day three? Plants. Trees and plants. What did God create on day four? Animals. No, no, no. He created the solar system. The sun, the moon, and the stars. Somebody say amen. Good Bible scholar right there. <laughs> he created the solar system on the fourth day. So on the fourth day, he actually created the sun. On the first day, it was light. It was a dimension of revelation. On the fifth day, what did God create on the fifth day? Animals and fish. On the sixth day, God created what? He created Kanye West. He created man. <laughs> on the seventh day, what did God do? He rested. He did nothing. Let's go back to day number one. What did God create? He released light. Day number two, what did God create? God said, let there be a vote. Let there be a firmament. 
Let it separate and divide. On the second day, God created boundaries. God created boundaries. Boundaries are God's idea, not man's idea. Matter of fact, boundaries were created before man even existed. God created boundaries before he created a human being because God knew that a human being outside of boundaries cannot function the way they're supposed to function. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, if you're gonna clap, do it well. To the glory of God. On second day, God separated. What separates? It's a boundary that separates. When you look at the word of God, there are boundaries everywhere. God gave Moses boundaries. He gave him the Ten Commandments. Those were boundaries. When you go to the New Testament, there's a boundary. Jesus introduces a boundary. He says, and we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. I want you to know that the blood of Jesus is a boundary. The devil cannot cross that boundary. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's why I pray for people who have cancer because if you're a believer, that cancer is illegal in your body. The blood of Jesus is the ultimate boundary. The reason the devil hates boundaries is because he knows that if there are no boundaries, then he can get to you. Boundaries were not created to stifle people and restrict people. Boundaries were created to preserve growth. The enemy wants you to hate boundaries because he's after your growth. So boundaries are God's idea. Somebody say amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. So let's go to our text here that we just read. Very simple story. It's the story of Samson and Delilah. We know that Samson was dating Delilah and we know that Delilah was a Philistine woman. The Israelites were at war with who? The Philistines. Please don't ever date your enemy's daughter. You need a good boundary there. If there's a place that needs a boundary, it's right there. Samson lacked boundaries. Long story short, three things happened because he didn't have boundaries. Number one, the Bible says he lost his strength. He told Delilah the secret to his strength. She cut off his hair. Number one, he lost his strength. Number two, they gouged his eyes out. So he lost his vision. Number three, they put him in prison and the guy was grinding grain. He was making cornbread in jail. Here's a guy who was raised by God to be a warrior for his nation. And he's found himself in prison making cornbread. So there are three things that will happen when you don't have boundaries. Please write this down. The lack of boundaries depletes your strength, kills your vision, and destroys your purpose. The lack of boundaries in your life depletes your strength, kills your vision, and destroys your purpose. When you see people who don't have boundaries in their lives, anybody can just show up in their house, family members can just do whatever they wanna do, they're always tired. And I can't tell you how many people come to me and say, Pastor, I'm so weary, I'm so tired, I was doing this for my grandpa, I was doing this for my cousin, I was doing this for that church, and I was doing this for this, and I'm so tired, I'm so so tired, I'm so frustrated, and I ask them, why are you doing that? You don't have to do all that. 
And if you don't have boundaries, you will lose your strength. You'll be weary, tired, frustrated. You will lose your vision, number two. And then you will lose your purpose. Without boundaries, you lose your strength, depletes your strength, vision. And number three, your purpose. Somebody say amen. So let's go to number one here. Three things you need to do. Number one, very simple, create boundaries. Boundaries have to be created. In other words, you need to tell people what your boundaries are. You need to write them out, tell somebody. Communicate to your cousins, communicate to your family members, communicate even to your pastor, even to the church. Chris, who's one of our leaders here, his wife is eight months pregnant, they're getting ready to have a baby, and they're moving, he's got a new job. I work with him closely uh, to create structure to these services, and I went to Chris and I said, Chris, your wife is about to have a baby, life is about to change. Please communicate with me the new boundaries in your life so that I can honor you in this season of life. Somebody say amen. You know what Chris said? He's a good Haitian brother. He said, no, pastor, I just love you so much. I have no boundaries for you. I said, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. Somebody say, no, 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 no. If he doesn't tell me his new boundaries, I'm going to cross those boundaries. Please never blame people for crossing lines you never created. <laughs> if you're going to clap, do it well. Don't blame people for crossing lines you never created. I can't tell you how many people are upset. If I don't tell Chris to create a boundary, he's going to hate me. So we've got to create that boundary. If you don't tell your auntie, if you don't tell your mother, if you don't tell the people in your life the boundaries, they're going to cross them. You're setting them up to fail and you can't blame them. Somebody shout hallelujah. And that relationship is going to become toxic very quickly. So you've got to create boundaries. And the boundaries have to be clear. Judges 16 verse 15. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? You just can't confide in everybody. You've got to create boundaries. Did you know that Jesus had levels of relationships? You've got to have levels of relationships. Jesus had five levels of relationships. Many people think Jesus just had the 12. No, he had the three within the 12. Jesus had an inner circle within the inner circle. Somebody say amen. Please write this down. There's a certain level of vulnerability that is only reserved for your inner, inner circle. There's a certain level of vulnerability that's reserved for your inner, inner circle. You see, here's the problem. There are people who are not vulnerable at all. They don't share anything. Right. And then there are people who just say too much yeah. to everybody. <laughs> that was Joseph's problem. He went to, to the 11. His inner, inner circle was simply his father and mother. He went to the wrong crowd and he almost got killed. And that's where many of us find ourselves. So Jesus had the three, Jesus had the 12, and according to the Gospel of Luke, Jesus had the 72. When he sent them out, a sheep among the wolves, in twos, it was the 72 disciples, 72 apostles. And, and then Jesus had the 120 
in the upper room, there was 120. When he ascended to heaven, it was 120. Then Jesus had the multitude. He had the three, the 12, the 72, the 120, and the multitudes. Five levels of relationships. And so the key to vulnerability is you need to be vulnerable with the right group of people. Somebody say amen. You don't go around just talking to everybody. You need to be vulnerable to the right group of people. One time I was dating my wife and I was really trying to impress her father at the time. He was still getting to know me. He, he just wasn't sure about me. And she invited me to dinner so I can impress her father. And we sat down and, and, and just before we sat down for dinner, I just whispered to my wife how I had lost my electricity at home. Because I was a single and broke guy at the time. So we sit on the table, aunties are there, cousins, grandpas, everybody's sitting down. And her father said, hey, Zenzo, so what's new in your life? And my wife decided to answer on my behalf. Oh, Zenzo is doing good. He lost his electricity. <laughs> now, I was vulnerable to her because she's my inner inner circle. <laughs> The grandpas didn't have to know that the brother had no electricity. So the father said, oh. And the father's an electrician, by the way. So he said, oh, probably a tree fell by your house. Took off the electricity. I said, no, it's not that. Oh, it's a raccoon? Raccoon in the wire? I said, no, it's not a raccoon. I said, I didn't pay my bill. And I sat there and ate the, re the rest of my chicken. <laughs> that was the problem with Joseph. You've, you've got to know the right group of people to be vulnerable with. Somebody say amen. amen. Number two, you have to enforce boundaries. You have to enforce boundaries. It's not enough to just introduce boundaries. You have to enforce them. Judges 16 verse 16, it says... With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Eee. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. If you don't create boundaries in your life, people will cross them over and over and over until you break them. And then what happens? Without boundaries, you lose your strength, you lose your vision, and you lose your purpose. People without boundaries, they just do what everybody else is doing. Here's a guy sitting in prison who's supposed to be the strongest guy at the time, and he's making cornbread. What a loss of a life. Somebody say amen. So please write this down. You're going to drink from a fire hose for, for, for the next two minutes. Here we go. People who sincerely respect you will respect your boundaries also. You see, Delilah didn't respect him. She wanted the money. That's why she kept violating his boundaries. Please write this down. People who continue to disrespect your boundaries will ultimately become toxic for your life. That's exactly how that relationship ended up. I'll give you another one. Please write this down. You will never be able to help people who never take responsibility for violating your boundaries. You cannot help them. 
You're not going to be able to help them. They keep violating your boundaries. Three times she kept violating his boundaries. And she didn't take responsibility for it because she's telling him, you, you're making a fool out of me. You're not telling me this. You're making a fool out of me. She's, she's putting him on a guilt trip, yet she's the one who's tricking him. If there are people in your life, they never take responsibility for violating your boundaries. You will never be able to help them. Please write this down. Boundaries are reinforced by confrontation. Confrontation is not a negative thing. Boundaries are reinforced by confrontation. Confrontation is not a negative exercise, but the secret to high achievers. Well, where's, where's Bible for that? I'm glad you asked. Matthew 18, verse 15. If a brother sins against him, against you, go to him privately. Somebody shout privately. And do what? And do what? And do what? Speak that out. And do what? One more time. And do what? Impact, which means if we're going to have healthy relationships here, if we're going to have a strong community, confrontation is going to be the order of the day. Confrontation is not a negative thing. It's not rejection. It's preservation. Somebody say amen. And then he says, if he listens and confesses it, you have worn back a brother. But if not, then take one or two others with you and go back to him again, proving everything you say by these witnesses. If he still refuses to listen, then take your case to the church. And if the church's verdict favors you, but he won't accept it, then the church should what? Impact church, say that real loud. Then the church should? You have to be willing to enforce boundaries to a point where you're willing to remove some people out of your lives. It's the word of God. If people keep violating boundaries, they never take responsibility. It's the word of God. Some people have to be removed out of your life. Somebody shout hallelujah. Some of you are going to regain your strength, vision, and purpose the moment you remove certain people out of your lives. Somebody shout hallelujah. Please write this down. Don't get upset with people when they cross boundaries you've, you've allowed them to cross over and over. Don't get upset with people when they cross boundaries you never enforced. Let's go to number three. You have to review boundaries. You have to review boundaries. Judges chapter 16 verse 20. This is one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke up from his sleep and thought, I will go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. He did not know that the Lord had left him. You see, he kept allowing this lady to violate his boundaries, cross his boundaries, and he could get up and get his strength back. But this time around, the grace ran out. You have to review and update 
your boundaries because the boundaries that worked yesterday may not be able to work for you today. The boundaries that supported you yesterday may not be able to support you today. So you have to update and review your boundaries. Boundaries in your family. Create the boundaries. Enforce the boundaries. And then you have to review and update them. Somebody say amen. Impact, please stand if you can. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So Impact, in this church, we have a vision. A vision creates boundaries. Somebody say amen. Amen. And one of the ways for us to build community here at Impact Church is through small groups. Somebody say small groups. Today, I want to encourage everybody in this place that's not part of a small group to consider joining a small group. We have small groups that are starting next month in June. Our church is growing. So many people, three services. We average some eight to 900 people on a Sunday. Somebody say, wow, this is in three years. How many people know that's exponential growth? You missed a good place to put your hands together and celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. But but as our church continues to grow, we have to disciple people. Somebody say discipleship. We have to disciple you. And our way of discipling you is through small groups. And then we're also studying something that we call iSchool. iSchool is just another level of discipleship for those that are called into the work of God, into the ministry, not just in church, but outside as well. But it's time to get in a small group. Somebody say amen. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Because this is a boundary where you're protected. This is where we protect growth. Somebody say amen. And I have a vision in this place. And I'm believing God for 50 small groups. Somebody shout, wow. Come on, somebody shout in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. Which means it's time for someone in this place to start a small group. Somebody say amen. God hasn't called you to come in here every Sunday and just listen to Pastor Zenzo. God has given some of you a platform to feed others and to help others, to heal others. This is part of our vision. Somebody say amen. So I want to commission everybody, when the sign-ups begin, join a small group. Not somebody and just tell them, join a small group. Nudge the other person on the other side and just tell them, start a small group. Somebody shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes. A business small group. Somebody say amen. I'm just going to call random people and tell them which group you're starting right now in Jesus' name. But we're shifting our church because we're going to preserve growth in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, we're going to see people being set free from all kinds of addictions. Come on, we're going to see single mothers encouraged. We're going to see young people encouraged. We're going to see people being used to the glory of God. Because with growth, there has to be 
boundaries, boundaries, and boundaries. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you're in this place and you're struggling with an addiction, what you need is boundaries. I sense an anointing that's breaking addictions in this place in the name of Jesus. If that's you, if that's you, there's some addiction, you're not ashamed, lift up your hands right now. God's breaking addictions. If that's you, if that's you, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. This is a vulnerable church. We, there's vulnerability in this church. We practice vulnerability in this place. If that's you, if that's you, you got another minute. I don't want to shut this service without praying for your victory. If you're struggling with an addiction, don't be ashamed. Just lift up both hands. Both hands. Both hands. Both hands. God told me nicotine. Nicotine addiction. If you're here and you're addicted to nicotine, if you're ready to let go of that thing, here's your moment. Nicotine, if that's you, you're smoking. Nicotine. There's no shame in this place. Lift up both hands. Lift up both hands. Lift up both hands. So God, I break addictions in this place in the name of Jesus. Strength for boundaries in the name of Jesus. Remove that taste in their mouth in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Well, you can't leave a place like this without saying yes to Jesus. Every eye closed, every head bowed down. If you've never said yes to Jesus, when I shout one, two, three, I want you to throw your hand and say yes to Jesus. Here we go. One, two, three. Hands, hands, hands. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. 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 Somebody say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender to you. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ, you're the Lord and Savior of my life. Come on, somebody celebrating this place. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday.